and I'm a sophomore at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Right now, I am a little lonely because my roommate skipped out on me. It was for the savings. Wow, love you too, twin. But your moving out hasn't gotten you out of this podcast for the World Ethnography Project. What is this podcast about? Didn't you read the info email? You sent me an email about this? I keep telling you to clean out your inbox. How many are you at now? Mm, that information's classified. <sighs> All right, back on topic. You always do this to me. <laughs> yes, let's address Tobias Hex at home in the street, street children, Northeast Brazil, published in 1998 by the University of Cambridge, which, by the way, cost $21.39 on the Kindle. So you did read the email. You're distracting yourself. All right, here is some background on Tobias Hecht, the author of the book we'll be discussing. He received his PhD in social anthropology from the University of Cambridge, and over the course of 10 years, conducted research for at home in the street, street children in Northeast Brazil, living and interacting with Brazilian citizens. He taught anthropology at Pomona College for a time, but turned his attention toward fieldwork in the solar power industry, wondering how renewable energy could possibly be democratized. In his book, At Home in the Street, Street Children in Northeast Brazil, Tobias Hecht uses his skill in the field to explore how the street, chil <laughs> street children in Recife, Brazil, view themselves and compares this to this perception of the kids by the world. Where East Street, street children believe their escape to the street is a sign of their independence and initiative in taking care of themselves, many see these same children as victims of circumstance with parents who abandoned or abused them. This is not always true. Examples of several instances where caring mothers take their kids off the streets and back into the home are repeatedly shown. However, the kids will most likely flee back to the streets within a few days. Street kids have other reasons besides being abused and abandoned, though this could be the case for living on the streets. Despite popular belief, street kids are better fed than those living in the favelas. And it's actually surprising how few street kids there are, given the conditions of many poor homes in Recife. This book analyzes the relationship of the street children with street life and how a cultural perspective of motherhood permeates life in the streets, affecting what they say, what they say they do, their hopes and dreams, and at times what they actually do. Tobias Hecht's work challenges common notions of street children and their victimhood, providing specific narratives and opinions from children living on the street in Recife, Brazil. So what does the street symbolize to these street children? A shelter, a safe haven, as freedom, independence, and a place they would rather be than the homes of their mothers. Unlike the majority of the world, they don't see themselves as victims or the street as corrupted veins flowing through Recife and the hearts of the children who fled there. The kids have purposely taken to the streets. Really? Yeah, listen to this kid. What I want to do, I do for myself. After all, I'm in the street. When you're in the street, you do what you want, you know? No one bosses me around. The one who bosses me around at home is my mother, my father, my grandmother, period. Now in the street, no one tells me what to do. Just God. That sounds like us when we were kids. We never wanted to do what we were told. We always wanted to do our own thing and make our own choices. In the movies, kids complain of being told what to do. Well, becoming a street child is a path for adults. Don't run your life to take control. Oh, shoot. 
A common phrase that the kids said in response to the questions posed by adults wondering why they chose to leave or commit a certain action was, for gang keys, or I felt like it. It reminds me of the immediate adult response to rebellious kids, because I said so. In other words, don't question it or accept it. This is what I don't want you to do or what I want you to do. It's that simple. Sounds like they pride the individual over the collective. In a way they do, kids in the favelas are what Heck refers to as nurturing children. They are expected to work to support their mother at a young age or stay at home to take care of their younger brothers and sisters. Houses are small and neither beds nor pillows are common items. Mothers expect their children to care for their family above themselves, to beg for coins or hot popcorn for long hours instead of going to school or participating in what we think of as universal childhood. In the streets, they are separate from their families, the pressure and the obligation. They are no longer expected to be anything but ruffians out for themselves. So by going to the streets, they betrayed what they were before? Yes. It is difficult for them emotionally in Brazilian culture. The good opinion of the mother is coveted, and they are usually adored by their children. By going into the streets, they become corrupted and are considered a lost cause since they are no longer nurturing the family, and the majority never return with any permanence. They abandon their families and are a source of shame. Kids in the favelas do not play with kids in the streets. But some kids did leave the streets. What motivated them? How did they do it? A few street children permanently leave the streets, but this is incredibly rare. Although many of the older street kids hold the dream of eventually leaving, buying a house, and having a family, most die or become adults living on the streets. There are many organizations or institutions that attempt to re-educate street children, each with their own philosophy, some <laughs> religious. But street children see their situation as their own fault, a product of their own selfishness, and salvation doesn't ring for them. They do not see themselves as worthy to be saved or even want to be. Restrictions placed upon children staying at the institutions also act as a deterrence for a more permanent stay. Their activities are limited and they are not allowed to sniff glue, a common way that kids drug themselves in the streets. Rooms are often crowded and long-term confinement leads to brawls. And why are institutions so popular? To the kids, institutions are not a way out, but a tool of the street. If they are tired of stealing and want a vacation, off to an institution. If they are hungry, off to an institution. If they want a place to wash, off to the institution. If their name is on the hit list of another child on the street, they take refuge and lie low in an institution. Why help if the kids don't turn away from the streets? Street kids are experts at making others believe they have realized the errors of their ways. The kids know that their lifestyle is considered aberrant, but it is also their life and how they have survived. Manipulation of adults is just another aspect of their culture that we here think is dishonorable, but for them, it just is. They see adult helpers as Freguesis, or clients, they are aware that they are being used and assisted so that others can feel good about themselves. Therefore, they are doing those adults a service by accepting what is offered. And the institutions have not developed a way to counteract this ideology, since their end goal is to get these children off the streets. Many of the locals are aware of this system. They see evidence of it every time they try to pull children back into a home by offering them jobs and a bed. But most institutions are funded by foreigners who only see the photos of the children on the streets. And it's not like the children are completely against the idea of going back to the home, just not permanently. According to Hecht, although the material trappings of shelters or offers to live with 
Middle-class families are attractive to street children. Many aspects of these situations are in direct conflict to a street ethos based on spontaneity, insubordination to authority, and solidarity with other deeply rejected street people. There were mostly temporary devotions to abandoning street life. Stories of children leaving the street are in short supply. But a question to consider is this. If, as the world those who fund institutions see them, street children truly were victims, wouldn't they want they be desperate to leave the street? Or would you argue that they were just too far gone or young to be able to properly see the options they had? To those fighting against street life, the street is a place that bears no warmth and positive growth, only pain, hardship, and sin. Yet the street to the children is their home, a welcome place to be. I cannot imagine being on the streets, sleeping on the ground where people's feet have passed, and the possibility of being snatched by a death squad. I would feel the need for the comfort of my pillow, but I wouldn't have one as a street child. All they have are the clothes on their backs. Street life is something beyond what many of us have experienced, yet we judge it so quickly and with little insight. Actually, death squads are not all that common. More kids die in fights between each other. The media has focused on death squads for a while creating the assumption that horrendous acts by death squads are more prevalent than they are. Kids still feel fear being snatched, but they have come up with ways to make themselves feel safer, such as moving where they sleep constantly. They don't talk, call a patch of ground home sweet home? Nope. All the, the street is their home. But to address another one of your points, we do define street life too harshly and from a distance. We believe pictures tell us all we need to know, when in reality, only those in that situation can begin to describe what is happening. We've discussed their perspectives on themselves and the street, their relationship with institutions and well-meaning adults, and the likelihood of them ever forfeiting the streets, but how do they survive on a day-to-day -day basis? First, think of a few necessities, shelter, water, and food. There are other factors drawing into survival, but let's stick to these three. Is it possible for children to manage fulfilling these while on the street? They very well can, and they do. Street children have all of these covered, though with varying degrees of reliability. Their shelter is the street. The climate is not cold, so street children are happy with the temperature year-round. Water is relatively accessible. Food, though, is the toughest, but still not difficult to obtain. How do you think the kids get their food in spite of the fact that they are children? Do they steal? That is only one of their options. The others being begging, going to a shelter for a time, or receiving food from an organization. Sounds like their food sources are dependent on a lot of things. Skillful, sticky fingers and opportunity, teasing out sympathy, following the rules of a shelter, and if events for street children are scheduled, that's stressful and pretty unreliable. Life on the streets is hard, but many of them wouldn't truly exchange their independence. It volatile life for another. It is a part of them, and due to this, most are unwilling to part with it. Here is a story of Edivaldo, related through an interview between him and Tobias Hecht. Edivaldo, do you plan to do something for these kids at FIBUM, which is an institution? Tobias, I'd like to. What do you think I should do? Edivaldo, that's up to you. One thing I'd suggest is to find a better place, you know, because a lot of the kids here, like me, don't like this place. We like to have a little freedom. If I were in charge of this place, the kids would have food, a place to sleep, and a bath. And I wouldn't keep them prisoners, and I wouldn't let the monitores, the adult supervisors responsible for keeping order, hit them. I'd take them to the beach, to the movies. I think that's the right thing to do because the kids run away from home to be free. If they're prisoners at home, do you think they're going to like being prisoners somewhere else? 
Kids here are suspicious of foreigners and some adults. Foreigners, because, um, because many photographers have taken their pictures for their own gain, and adults because they try and lead them off the streets. Back to Edvaldo. I'm from Karuraru, which is a city about 100,000. Um, Evaldo, at Evaldo. I move around a lot. I even went to Natal. I spent two months living in the house of a woman who made fried turnovers. I met her because when I went to Natal, I first stayed with a guy for a couple of days. He even gave me a surfboard. Then he had to leave and I couldn't go with him because I didn't have my birth certificate, which is necessary for Brazilian children to travel from one state to another. And on that day, it rained a lot and I was freezing to death. I leaned against a wooden house and put the board on my head and started crying. Then the woman who lived in the house came and asked what I was doing there. I told her my story. She took me into her house, gave me a cup of hot coffee and bread and asked me if I wanted to live there. I told her I did. I spent two months helping her, but then she died. She lived alone. And when she died, her son who lived somewhere else came to tell me to leave. He gave me a ticket and stuck me on a bus and made me go away. I only ran away from home because of my stepfather. He beat me with a wire cable, left me all cut up, and then he threw water and a kilo of salt on me. When I, when I would run away, I'd go all over the place. I spent two days with a truck driver, and he said, go away now. So I left. I stayed in the city and met a lot of kids, and that's how I started learning about street life. I think I have way too much experience now. The street doesn't have anything to offer you except experience. In the street, we learn how to live because at home we get spoon fed everything. It's not like that in the street. In the street, we have to work to have something. That's what the street teaches you. In the street, do you run with a gang? That's Tobias speaking. Edivaldo. If you hang out with a gang, gang, it's worse than being alone. Because look, in a gang, it's the strongest one who wins. If I'm weak and, I, and say, I steal a watch. The biggest guy in the gang is going to say, hey, that watch is mine. I'm going to sell it. That's why I prefer to run alone. I only went around with a gang once because... When I'm with a group, the group wants to fight to see who's strongest. If you get caught in the middle of something, you're in trouble. The one time I was with a group, I got stabbed. Edivaldo is an exception. Most street kids travel in gangs. When asked who they hung out with, most street children answer, so cum dois, or alone with God. Though according to Hecht, they are normally with other street children, street life is an oxymoron when it comes to being alone. It is marked by both bone-wrenching solitude and intense solidarity. Some older children take advantage of younger ones. In exchange for protection, the younger ones steal for the older ones. The system has come into play since those with more years suffer harsher consequences if they are caught stealing. Edivaldo. The first time I was seven years old, that's when I started learning about street life first time being when he ran away. My mother came to Recife and spoke with the police. She sent the police out after me and she even offered a reward for, a pers for the person who found me. The second time I went to the shopping center in Boa Riagiam, I asked the guy for money. He said he didn't have any and walked away. But then he came back and bought me food and asked if I wanted to work in his house. I said, yes, and I went to live there. I stayed for two days and then my mother found me. She got a whole bunch of kids together and gave them money so they would tell her where I was. I liked it there. I would have stayed. I went back twice, but he had already had another boy living there. And when I went to the third time, he had left for Sao Paulo. This mother wants her son to be home. Edivaldo is lucky to have a mom who cares so much for him. One kid who visited his mother was greeted with the words, but I thought you were dead. There's no room for you here. 
and again back to Edivaldo. When I learned to how to snip glue, I got together with a bunch of kids and started sniffing, and I got used to it, so I just started running away from home to sniff glue. It's a vice, you know? It's not that I like it. You get to be a prisoner of glue. Tobias, what do you mean? Edivaldo, it's a temptation that hits you. Come on, sniff glue, sniff, and you end up sniffing. Tobias, and what happens when you sniff glue? Edivaldo, you get a high and start seeing things that aren't in front of you. That's what hooks you. Tobias, what happens if you sniff every day and then all of a sudden you stop? How do you feel? Edivaldo, you get a fever, a headache, you feel like dying. Tobias, does sniffing glue make you hungry? Edivaldo, yes, but only when you stop sniffing. Sometimes you sniff to kill the hunger because when you're hungry and you sniff, the hunger goes away. But if you stop sniffing, the hunger gets you again. Tobias, I've noticed that some kids sniff glue after eating. Why do they do that? Edivaldo, it's so that you don't mess up your lungs because if you eat and then sniff on a full stomach, it's not so bad for you. But if you sniff on an empty stomach, the air from the glue lift fills your belly. Tobias, does glue cause any illnesses? Edivaldo, yes, diabetes. This is how kids feel about glue and how they use glue. They're not hungry as long as they sniff. It is, it is healthier to sniff on a full stomach. The children know that this is a habit is bad for them, but they continue to be drawn to it and draw others into the practice. Um, Tobias, so what happened the fifth time you ran away? Edivaldo, the fifth time I took off, caught a ride, I stayed in the bus station. I ate there and slept there. I washed the cars of the owners of the stores in the bus station. They paid me and I bought their food. It was like they were paying me to buy from them. Sometimes they didn't even pay me. They gave me a plate of food, a huge plate this size. He opens his hands around an imaginary giant dish. Then my mother came to look for me. She saw me the moment she got off the bus on that bridge at the bus station. Edivaldo, come here, she yelled. She ran after me and caught me. I hugged her. I adore her. It's just my stepfather. If I could, I'd kill him. Despite running away from his mother and her home, he still cares for her. All the street children adore their mothers. Remember the one whose mother told him he could not stay with her because there wasn't enough space? Afterwards, he recorded a Mother's Day message on Hex tape recorder and apologized for being on the streets, suggesting that his mother wanted him home. Even though they are on the streets, they love their mothers and wish for their love in return. The idea of motherly love is attractive to many of the young women on the street, encouraging them to keep their kids despite the conditions of their lives so that they may know how it feels to be loved unconditionally. It is impossible to understand all their experiences through just one book or podcast. It really is. That is why we should not delineate so quickly. It is best to learn from the source, but also blur lines a bit so that people do not immediately assume that they have all the information they need to credibly speak of a group of people. Thank you for listening. This is Tara Michalis from the World Ethnography Project. Mm-hmm.